You're listening to the David Bumble Networking Podcast. Very good day interviewing a lot of Cisco engineers. We discuss all things networking, CCNA, CCNP, CCIE, Python, automation, the books, the exams, the future, your career. Another long day at Cisco Live. We talk to the authors, the experts, the leaders, and people like you and me. David Bumble coming to you from Oxford in the United Kingdom. Now, here's your host, David Bumble. Hey everyone, it's David Bumble talking to Hank Preston. We're continuing our series talking about CSV files and network automation. Hank, welcome. Thanks, David. It is good. You know, when we started this, I never thought we would be continuing to kind of go through, but uh, there's so much possibilities that you can do in CSVs and Excel spreadsheets and stuff are such a part of our job as network engineers that I, I think there's tons of material for us here. And I think today's uh, edition will be a great example of some of the work you can do in this space. So. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I know when we first started, you, you thought CSV files, maybe 30 minutes, but we've been going on for quite a while. So I'm really keen to see what you're going to do. I mean, this is specifically geared at, once again, Python, CSV, network automation. Is that right? It is. So so if we think back to the, the stuff that we've covered so far, is we, we covered just some basic CSV manipulation. Um, last week we, we saw, or the last video, uh, in our second video, we went through and we kind of saw how we can, we can do a bit more with it, gather some information, write CSV files, we play with some headers and pieces. And today, um, what I'm going to look at is kind of a typical use case that I've seen as a network engineer, and I think probably several folks have, is you're, you're trying to onboard a bunch of new equipment, right? You've got uh, a bunch of gear came into the data center, and you've got a list of um, interfaces that need to be configured appropriately, and you get that material, either maybe you create um, the spreadsheet based on how you cabled it, or maybe whoever did your data center facilities, like they send you the information and it comes in an Excel spreadsheet and you need to convert that into like network configuration pieces. And so that's what we're going to look at today is how we can take information from a spreadsheet about um, kind of how things are cabled up and then turn that into kind of some repeatable network configuration pieces that we can push into the environment. I mean, that's great. I mean, I think this is something that a lot of people will be doing very often. So really looking forward to this. So thanks. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and jump right into it. So we'll start out with kind of the source material that we have. And so what I've got here is I put together just kind of a basic little spreadsheet, um, something similar to the type of layout. And these are always different every time we get through and do it, unless your organization is kind of standardized how it goes through. But what I've got here is just um, kind of a bunch of a handful of columns. So what switch are we talking about? The, the interface on the switch? What's the server or device we're connected to, the network adapter that's there, what its purpose is, and then some VLAN info. And so you can see here my, my example is we're bringing on a bunch of new um, VMware ESXi hosts. So I've got a bunch of them here listed for ESXi 01. Each, uh, each uh, ESXi server's got four different NICs. we got a purpose, and these are labeled as trunks. But not everything is just a VMware server these days. If I scroll down, we can see that I've got some other things that are being onboarded as well. So down here on Ethernet 145, we've got a database, a chunk of database servers that are going in. Those have VLANs attached to them here in the spreadsheet. And then I just kind of populated a bunch of pieces here, but kind of just a basic layout of what we're going to get set up. Make sense? Questions? No, this is great because I think this is something that, again, a lot of people are going to find useful. So 
you're going to convert this spreadsheet somehow into code that configures a device. Ex right? Exactly. So that's yeah. that's kind of what our goal is. So we, whether we created this document or this document was sent to us, this is our source material. And we need to convert right. this into some network configuration pieces. So we've got this. Let's go switch back. And so as we've done before, we're going to kind of start out with doing this kind of in, a, in an interactive Python session. And so I'm going to go ahead and start up my IPython session. And then we're going to we'll we're going to kind of review a bit of what we've done in the past already, right? So we'll do our import CSV. And so that gives us the CSV library we can go with. And then I'm going to create just a um, a variable called source file, which will be the file name for our um, Excel file or the CSV file. So I was looking at it in Excel, but I just I saved it as a CSV because while you can work with native Excel files, um, just saving them out as a CSV file often makes it easier to kind of work with, and you don't have to deal as much with all the the extra stuff that uh, ex like an actual Excel file would have. Because all we care about is the data, not all the formatting pieces that are there. Yeah, that's typical normal stuff though. Yep, as we go through on there. So what we're going to do is let's just kind of re remind ourselves how we interface with our pieces that are there. And so I'm going to grab, um, and I, again, as always, I've got my little cheat sheet over here, so I'm going to grab some pieces. And so we're going to go ahead and say with open our source file as F. And so remember, the, the with block is our context handlers. That, that'll handle closing the file appropriately when we're done. And then I'm going to create a new uh, object here called reader, and we're going to use the dict reader function. So in previous videos, we've seen um, uh, just the regular reader where we kind of handle each of the columns and things by indexes. The dict reader lets us take advantage of that header row so that we can name the things that are out there. And so we'll create that piece. And now once I'm in there, we'll do our for, oops, for row in reader. So now we'll loop over each one of the, the rows that are there. And now whenever I'm troubleshooting or building something new, oftentimes I'll, I'll, we'll do this iterative approach. And so I'll say, well, what does each row look like? So I'm just gonna say print, print row this first time around, just so that we can kind of see what's out there. And I go ahead and print it out and we can see, wow, I get a lot of information. And we can see each one of these, if I kind of just highlight one line, this is one of those interface pieces that we had out there. And so we can see inside of our, our output, it's called an ordered dict. And you've probably, folks may not have run across ordered dicts before, and you've just seen dictionaries. So typical dictionaries in Python, uh, traditionally, though this is changing, were unordered. So if you added things into your dictionary, the, the order of the keys and value pairs might change around. Um, because in general, dictionaries, that was okay, because you just you handle things by the key that was there. Um, ordered dictionaries keep the order of how things are added in there, and some for uh, cases when that's important. So in this case, where we're reading something out of an actual like CSV file, we probably want to maintain um, at least some knowledge around what order those columns were in, which is why the ordered dict is used here. But we work with it the same kind of way. And so we can then see we've got our column for switch, interface, and these go in. And so this means I could go through and grab. So I think if I should be able to grab, let me see if I just get one row. Yeah. So if I just print out the last row that was out there, we can see it's an ordered dict and it's got the keys that are there. So I can go row and then access like the interface like you normally would. And so that's my interface that's there. I can come in and say, well, what's the VLAN information for that? And it kind of shows the pieces. So I've read in, I've, I've shown that we can get access to that information that's out there. And so now I've got that, that piece is done. We've done this before, we've done it in different videos, um, but this kind of gives us access to that information. 
The next piece we want to go through is how do we turn this into actual network configuration pieces? And so let's, let's think about what we might want to do with this data. So I'm just going to shift my screen around a little bit so we can see. And I'll open up a new, uh, actually, I don't need to go that far. I'll come back over here. So let's say we wanted to configure something for this particular interface that's here, for this detail that's out there. What, what would we configure? Now, in my example here, we're using a Nexus switch, um, though the, the basic interface configurations are pretty much the same um, for a lot of these commands. We'd go interface, and I'll just put the actual ones over here. So we'd go like interface ethernet 1 64. And then we might go and do something like, well, we want to give it a description. So we'd say description. And then maybe this is uh, uh, server 03, and then link, nick1, right? something like that. And then we'd say, well, it's a switch port, Oops. switch port. And then in this case, for this example that I highlighted, it's, it looks like it's an access port because I got a VLAN over there. So switch port, modes, mode access, and then switch port access VLAN. 105 in this example, right? So something like that is what we would want to create. Now, a couple of things when you go through and do this, right? Um, the the description layouts. I don't know about you, but but oftentimes my descriptions don't always follow the exact same pattern of information that's in there. So they might be a little bit different each time as they go through. And then even looking over here, I've already noticed that I, I forgot the the such important the no shut command, right? That has to go through. And so, but we want the same basic template for what's there and what we we often need to do is just kind of like replicate this template over and over again as we kind of type up our standards that go through and so the new piece that we're going to talk about today in our content is um, something called jinja templating and so jinja is a, a templating system that's used heavily in python it also comes up in ansible pretty heavily but is used in other locations where you can build kind of a, um, a structured template that you can then reuse uh, over and over again just by providing variables and information that's in there. And so I've prepared a template for an, a basic interface configuration. And so over here, I've gone ahead and opened that up. And so this looks similar to what we saw, but we've got kind of these strange double curly braces and things that we'll talk through that's in there. But my goal here is to say every every interface that I configure, right? We want it all to look basically the same. And so here I've gone through and said, okay, well, we've got an interface. The double curly braces here that surround interface, this is how you indicate like a variable placeholder inside of a Jinja template. And so this said- Jinja 2, is that right? Yeah, yeah, Jinja 2. I always just say Jinja, but yeah, it's Jinja 2. No, no, that's 2. fine. I, I'm, you know, you, you, you're brilliant because um, I was talking to someone, you know, like what's, what's the kind of questions we get most mm -hmm. often? And one of them, Ginger templates. Oh, well done. All right. Well, we'll bring it right in. Um, I don't know if there were, I, I know I never used Ginger one. So by the time I got involved, it was, we were already on second generation Ginger, but that's uh, yeah. So we're, we're working through Ginger two here. And so what we'll do in our template here is say, okay, well, we're going to pass in something about an interface and that interface will go here. Right. And then down here in description, we've decided, you know what, all of our descriptions, we want to make sure we know what device we're connected to, what port on that device, and then a little bit about what its purpose is or what's there. And so I've created this template for a description that goes through and says, okay, link to, and then we'll, we'll slot in the server name. And then what port is it? We'll slot in what it's linked to. And then what's the purpose? So every, in this case, now every one of the interface descriptions <clears throat> will follow this pattern and they'll all be consistent. And I know that even in my own environment today in Sandbox, uh, we're, we're really um, 
inconsistent on descriptions. Uh, sometimes we don't have any of them. Other times they follow all sorts of weird different patterns, kind of whatever someone was thinking when they typed it in. Now this will make sure every description is exactly what's needed. <clears throat> then switch port. And so this template here is kind of built to assume that everything is just a basic switch port rather than layer three. So we put that in. And then we get this chunk that's in here, which is actually a, an if conditional. And so I could create two different templates, one for trunk interfaces for things like going off to a VMware host, and then a separate inter or a template for access-based interfaces that are just gonna be attached to one. But then I have to manage two different templates and there's parts of the template that would be the same for both of them. What Jinja 2 allows us to do is actually put some logic into the template. And so the single curly brace percent here, this is kind of, these are, um, parts of the Jinja 2 templating language where you can put like instructions in. And so here we can see I've got what looks very similar to an if statement from Python. And in fact, it's very quite similar to that. And so we can say if VLAN equals trunk. <clears throat> and if you remember some of our, if I scroll over here, we can get back up to some of those ones. So in this one here, we can see the VLAN is trunk for the ESXi hosts that are out there. And so the idea here is if, if this is supposed to be a trunk interface, that's the value that VLAN will have. And it's just what I picked when I was setting this up. And so if that is trunk, we're gonna go ahead and say switch port mode trunk. Else, right, so this is back to the logic portion. So else switch port mode access, and then we're gonna say switch port access VLAN, and then put in whatever the VLAN number is. And then when I was freehand typing my configuration before, I didn't even think about spanning tree, but if it's an edge port like this, we wanna go ahead and just set it as an edge port and say, okay, we're connected to one device on a VLAN. Let's go ahead and mark that as a port type edge as it goes in. And then we end our logic piece that's there. And then whether it's a trunk or a v, um, an access port, we wanna go ahead and just put it in no shutdown. So real simple type of a piece, but this will give me the ability to make sure every one of these interfaces all looks the same. Um, questions? Thoughts make sense? Yes. Yeah, so here's a question that I'm, I think a lot of people may have is why do I use Jinja 2 templates rather than just doing this in Python or something directly? It's a really why, good. Why do we bother? Sorry. Oh, no, it's, it's a good question. And, and honestly, a lot of this stuff you could do with just kind of Python string formatting um, options that are there. So we could do this as a, as a Python string format as well, something like. Um, if I did over here, I'll just type it out. So if we were to do like config template, and then we could use um, interface. And then when you do like Python, just regular string templating like that, you just do one curly brace. So it looks an awful lot like ginger, but it just be one and we could do interface one and then it consider through there. Um, the reason for something like this type of an interface configuration, I go over to Jinja 2 templating, is that Jinja 2 adds extra features and flexibility that just regular Python templating um, doesn't have. So things like this if conditional. If I wanted to do that with just regular Python strings, I wouldn't be able to create like one template that was there. I'd have to do, um, I'd have to pull that logic around the if conditionals into the Python script itself. And so the Python code would be um, a little bit more complicated, but what I'm actually after here is in this fairly simple example, it just, it's easier to kind of put that and embed that into a single template that goes in and I can control it there. Uh, the other thing I like about using Jinja 2 templating um, is that here I've created a file and it's probably hard to see. Um, let me do this. I'm actually going to exit out of Python and we'll we'll take a look at the directory here because it'll be easier in the this window. So we can see I've created this file called switchport interface template.j2. 
And so the template in this case, I'm actually storing outside of the Python code and we're gonna read it in in just a moment. Um, .j2 is kind of uh, a agreed upon standard, just that's an extension that you often put on a Jinja template. Could, of course, it could be anything. Um, but this now I've taken the template, I've put it outside the code and I can read it in. Now I could do the same thing again, to be clear, with just a regular Python string template and we could import something like that in as it goes. But when you start getting to these larger types of template pieces, um, moving to a templating language like Jinja 2 just gives you a little bit of extra power and flexibility. And the extra co um, complexity that's required is pretty minimal as you go into it. Um, and we'll see kind of how easy it is to read in and process these templates as they go through in just a second. Um, any, does that seem clear? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think I suppose the other advantage you've mentioned is that you can use this with Ansible, can't you? You can, yeah. So if I create a Jinja 2 template like this, and then at some point down the road, I wanted to do interface configuration through Ansible instead of Python, um, the same template could work in both locations, which is a really good example uh, advantage as well. So, I mean, for network engineers, I mean, I suppose the, the skills that they should learn is uh, Python, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people need to learn Ansible because that's perhaps an easier step for some people. Um, but the feedback I've had from a lot of guys is, you know, Ansible's great, but then you really need to learn Ginger templates if you want to mm -hmm. make use of a lot of the power of Ansible. Um, is that right? I mean, uh, what do you mm -hmm. think, Hank? You know, that, that's the kind of stuff people need to learn. It is. I would say it's definitely on the list of things that you want to you want to dive into and understand as it goes through. Um, and in, in, as we've mentioned a few times, this Jinja 2 templating is used in Ansible, it's used in Python. You'll find it popping up in, in a few other places as well here and there. Um, and it's a good skill set to have. Um, fairly quickly when you start doing configuration bits and things, you're going to find the need to do some sort of templating. Like that always becomes part of what's there. And Jinja 2 is kind of the, the go-to templating piece for all of these little Python-related and Python um, family pieces like Ansible that's there. So it's a good skill um, to go into. We actually did a video, and we'll, we'll link to this video in... Um, in the show notes for t uh, for today for this video here, but uh, Brian Byrne, one of the other engineers that I've done a bunch with, uh, David, you've done a video with him at Cisco Live in Barcelona. Um, I, he did a webinar recently um, on my weekly webinar series where he dove kind of into templating and, and spent a lot of time kind of on Jinja 2 templating and some of the power that's there. So it's another great kind of resource to get more information about the Jinja 2 pieces um, as well as it goes in, but highly recommend folks look at it. Not everything needs to be done as a Jinja template. If you've, you've seen me do um, code samples before videos, you'll see I, I often do just the basic um, Python string templates in format. If all I'm trying to do is like sub in variables in a short, in a short string format, that's super easy. Um, when I start to have these like multi-line um, templates that I'm trying to create, or if there's any kind of logic um, that's important as far as the template goes through, um, very quickly, I'll just switch over to Jinja too. So. Yeah, that's great. I mean, the, the the interview you had with Brian, he goes over Ginger templates in quite a bit of detail, does he? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an hour webinar that we did as part of the NetDevOps Live series. It was just a few weeks ago. Um, and yeah, he, he spends the whole time, kind of goes through it, shows some of the logic pieces that are in there. Um, and that'd be a great one to take a look at. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, no, that's great. Excellent. All right. So let's now that we've seen our template, kind of what we're going to configure, let's see how we actually put it to use. So I'm going to go get back into IPython. And then I've, I exited out, so I have to import it in my CSV uh, library again so I can go through. And then I'm going to do a from Jinja to import template. And so template is kind of the object that understands kind of how to process and read 
um, that Jinja 2 templating language that we can still see over here on the screen. And so I'm going to go through and, and again, I'm going to cheat a little bit and grab some of my stuff from my notes that are over there. So I've created two variables, that source file one that points to the name of the CSV file, and then I've got interface template file, which is just the name of that interface template that's out there. So the first thing we'll do is, is we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna read in that Jinja2 template so that we can kind of have access to it. And so I'm going to grab over here for my cheat sheet. We're gonna do another with block. So just like any other file that we need to open, that interface template file is a text file. And so we'll use with open, we open up that file and then use kind of the, the default go-to uh, that Python uses. We're gonna store that as F, which is again, a reference to now an open file. And then I'm gonna create a variable called interface template. So this will actually be the template for our interface configuration. We're gonna use that template object that we imported in from Jinja. And I'm gonna say, okay, we need to read in that template as it goes through. Now, as I was preparing for today, uh, for our video today, I was actually going through and I found this new feature that I thought was super handy. Keep trailing new line equals true. And so we'll, uh, I might, we might go back and show an example. You know what, let's do this. I'm gonna do it without it first and then I'll, we'll, we'll see where it comes in as important. We'll kind of do some some pieces here. So I'm going to take that that feature out, and then we'll talk about why it's in there once you kind of see the mistake that our template starts to have as we go through. And so I've gone ahead, I've read that in, and so this process, so this opened up the template file, stored it as a value of f, and then read that template in. And so now if I do type of interface uh, template we can see that it is a Jinja2 environment template. So this is a reference to a template. That template's a reusable object. I can use that one template against as many interfaces as I want as it goes through. And so what we're gonna say is I will go ahead and let's actually, you know, I'm, we're gonna use it once um, first. So I'm gonna go through and say with open and then we'll do, I'm gonna do it this way. All right. So here's what we're gonna run. So again, we're gonna open up the source file. This is the CSV file, right? That's what I call it, yeah. As F, we're gonna say reader equals CSV dict reader, just like we did before. And then we're gonna loop over every row that's in there. And I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna create a new uh, refer, uh, an example from that template using the render function that's part of a template file. And so remember up here, our interface template is a reference to the template. That object that's here has a function called render. And when you do a render, what you do is you pass in all of the variables and information that the Jinja2 template expects. And so here we can see I've got interface equals, and then I'm saying, go grab the interface name out of the row. VLAN equals, go grab the VLAN out of the row. Server in here and these references. So that interface is related to the interface that's over here on line two in our template. And so these are kind of how these things pull together. So we're gonna take this template file and render a final version of that based on the input that we're gonna provide out of our CSV file, okay? Um, and we'll do that for every single row. And in this case, each time it runs through the row, it's, it overwrites what our configuration is. So at the end of this loop, we're gonna have in interface config, just the final, the last interface config that's there. So we can kind of look at just one example of what it looks like. Okay, so I went ahead and ran all of that. And so it ran this full block, again, opened up the CSV file, turned that CSV file into our dict reader. 
looped over every row and then uh, created us a, a conf an interface configuration for each row. And now at the end of it, I only I, I now have kind of the final interface config that's there. So if I do a print, oops, uh, print interface config, we'll see that here's the final interface config. It's just the one. Our template started out with just the kind of the, the a comment in here. Exclamation point gives us a comment or an ignored line in iOS or NXOS config. And then I've got interface. We can see the last one in our CSV file is Ethernet 164. And so we can see that was put in. My description is exactly how I wanted. Link to server 03 port NIC1 for app server. We can see the switch port that's in there, the mode access, all those pieces that are there. Makes sense. This is kind of what we would expect based on our template, right? I mean, it's amazing. You just did, you had a very simple-ish, I'd say, template, and then you opened up that CSV file. You've passed all that information. This is obviously only giving us the last row, so you're going to show us some code. Hopefully, that shows us how to get all of that. But it's it's great to see. It's so simple. Yep, and that's that's what we've done. So now, for each one of these rows, we can guarantee that the interface config that we had, and then inside of the loop, right, we can do we can do almost anything we want with it. But we'll see some different options. We're going to kind of experiment here. So we've now seen we've got the code that'll take the stuff out of the CSV file and inject it into the template. Let's go ahead and save that and create kind of a full workload, like a um, create the final configuration for everything that's there. And so what I want to do is is we're going to each time it goes through it creates um, a variable called interface config. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a new kind of placeholder variable called interface oops, configs. All right, so this one's plural because it's going to be more than one interface. And I'm going to say just equals, and we're just going to create an empty string. So we don't have anything that's there yet. And so this time, I'm going to go ahead and let me get our that same loop we did. And so what's nice here is we've got that template. Um, we have our file in the background. I can kind of open and process that file as many times as I want as far as I'm kind of building my script and troubleshooting. And again, the the end state of this will should be kind of a Python script that we could run and reuse anytime we needed to do this. What we're working through now is kind of the development process of building that script. So inside of our loop, after we create interface config, which is one interface configuration, we're going to go ahead and we're just going to kind of append that to interface configs using plus equals. And so plus equals in Python says, okay, take whatever the current value of interface configs is, and then just add at the end of it, whatever this, this new piece is, which will be interface config. And so this is going to capture kind of all of the interface configurations as one string file as it goes through. Um, remember, the first time we go in, it's an empty string. And then the second time, it'll have the first interface. And then the th second time or the third time it goes through, it'll now kind of add on the third interface and so on as it goes in. Yeah, I mean, that's great. That's what I was hoping you'd show us. So brilliant. Yep. All right. So I ran that. And so now if we go ahead and say, I'm going to actually say print interface configs and we've gone through here so now it's printed out the interface configs and we can see we've got a bunch of them that are in here okay and so now I'm gonna scroll up to the top and so this just kind of processed every row in that Excel spreadsheet created a version of the template for it and then just kind of appended them all together so I end up with kind of one um, I could submit this as a change request I now have kind of all of the configuration that I need to kind of now put into my device that's there so I'm here at the top now, and so we can see, let me actually, I'm gonna go ahead and grab the actual CSV file. So you can see the first interface we had is Ethernet 113, and that's what we have here. 
and we've kind of created the pieces that are in there. Now, I, at the top of our template, remember I put this little exclamation point generated configuration. And so at the start, we see generated configuration, and then we see interface 113, description, switch port. In this case, the first ones are the first group are a trunk. And then I see no shutdown. And then, wait a minute, now right after shutdown, I've got generated configuration again, because now it's moved on to the, the next interface, Ethernet 114. So you see how that's like, it's, it's kind of squeezed them together, right? See that? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully this is that option you were talking about that you learned about, yeah? It is. So this is, I was, I was fighting with this, this this morning as I was getting ready. So my, my process here is that, okay, well, it's, it's looping through. Clearly I just need to put some extra carriage returns at the end of the template. So I'm over here in my template, hit enter a whole bunch of times. So I've saved it. And actually Adam doesn't, keeps going back through to put one empty line. Um, but what it is, is the Jinja 2 template by default just um, gets rid of any and uh, line ending characters. It says, you know, in general, people don't want just a trailing new line character at the end. And so we're gonna go ahead and just kind of make that nice for you. We're gonna kind of strip it out because usually you don't want that extra one. Well, in this case, I actually do want the extra one. I wanna make sure that we don't end up on these kind of pieces that are there. And so that's where that template piece or that, that option that was there. So let's go ahead and reopen up our file. And now you'll understand why that option's there. It's so that we keep the trailing new line. And so here it's that same, we're gonna open up the template file again. We're gonna say, okay, we're gonna recreate the template. We're gonna read in our, our Jinja2 kind of text file. And then we just throw in this extra option, keep trailing new line equals true. So please keep my trailing new lines. Don't, don't clean them up for me. With those done, then I'm gonna go ahead and rerun and reprocess the, the CSV file and create the pieces that are there for that. So we'll go ahead and run this one out. So now that's done. So let's. So the only difference here is you kept keep trailing new line, yep. yeah. Yeah. The only the only difference, and I know I, I copy and pasted rather than type some of it, but this is the only thing that's different is on the Jinja two template. I said keep trailing new line equals true. And now if I print out, oops, print interface configs, so we get the full piece. Now we can see my generated config placeholders are on a brand the fresh new line rather than crammed after no shutdown. Now, I'll be honest. Great demo, Hank. Great, yeah. Great, great demo, that. The first time I went through it, I actually didn't have this comment that was in there. And so when I first ran it, uh, when I was practicing this morning, it had said no shutdown and then went right into interface. And so my last one actually probably would have worked because putting a, a little comment at the end of the no shutdown wouldn't break things. Um, but in this case here, now they're nice. They're broken up as it goes on that. Now some other stuff, so let's say you look at this and you're like, rather than just having them crammed together, we wanted a space that was in there. Um, you could actually come in here, hit put a space in your template. So now over in my template, I just added a, um, a space that's there. And then now I have an extra new line underneath it. And so I've changed my template file a little bit. I need to rerun, reopen it and so that I can re-render. So. so again, what we, what we changed is, I thought I did, space. I've now put in an extra new line over here in the template. I'm gonna have to rerun it in a second. So I've got line 13 in my template has a, a, a blank line and then 14 will be kind of a, a one that goes in and so they're in there. Man, it looks like a Adam does not like having blank lines at the end of anything. There, it's, it's good now. So let me, let me see if I'm catching it. All right, so now we've got it in place like that. Let me reprocess that CSV file. The, the behavior that Adam's doing over here, that, that's IDE specific. So different IDEs have, have kind of built in uh, ways that they try to clean up stuff and, and keep you going in good shape. So, all right, 
now I will print out interface configs again. So now we've gone ahead and we've injected a couple of blank lines between. So you can see in here, as you're working on your template files, you can kind of tweak them, make sure that they look exactly how you like. But now we've got it. I feel pretty good about this. Any uh, any changes to the interface config? Let's say you're my, um, my senior engineer. I've shown you what we're building up here. Is there anything that you'd want to tweak on the configurations, uh, make an adjustment? You could you can see how it goes through. You could render yeah. those in, put all those pieces in as you want. But well, we know the logic, so yeah. yeah. So our next step is I've created this string. Now let's say I want to save this off as kind of a final configuration piece that we're going to go through and use. And so what I'm going to say now is let's let's not just keep it in Python. Let's go write these interface configurations out to a text file. Because normally what's our what's our workflow? We work on uh, kind of in advance, kind of in the normal day job hours. We work on our template. We get our our plan changes kind of in control, and then we save that off as a text file um, that we would then use during an actual maintenance window or change window. All right, so now we're in a fresh window. We're gonna we're gonna run through the the full kind of example as it goes in. I'm still gonna do them a, a, a piece at a time and talk through it, so we're kind of on the same page. But we can see all the bits that we've seen so far. So our first step is going to be to import in the Python libraries we need, the CSV and the Jinja two that's there. Then we will go ahead and we will create our two little um, kind of placeholder text val. I copied too much. Uh, I, I just re-imported the other ones. But the new pieces here, the source file for the two names of our files we're going to work with. So the CSV we're going to read from, as well as the source of our template that's out there. We then need to have our placeholder value that will hold all of our final configurations, like the full list of configs that are there. So interface configs is there. Now, before we can render instances of our template, we need to open up the template. And so here, line four, will open up interface template file as F. It will then render, um, create an instance or create an object called um, interface template. We'll read in the template file with our important keep trailing new line equals true. We've got that in place. And then we now we are at the point where we can actually open up our source file and then write that out or and read in our CSV reader and process our pieces. And so the chunk of Python code that does that for us is here. And so we'll open up the source file, the CSV, as F. We will create a reader object, which is a dict reader from that open source file. And then for every row in the CSV file, we are going to create a, an instance of an interface configuration by rendering our template, passing in details from the CSV file. So the interface itself, the VLAN, the server, the link, and the purpose. And then we will take that, that single interface config and we will append it to the full configurations for interface configs that is there. We're going ahead and we run that. So now I've got interface configs and I want to write that out to our file. And so we will do our with open. So now we're opening up interface configs.txt with the write mode that's there. And then we will do f.write for the pieces that are out there. So we'll write that out. And now I'll go ahead and exit out of IPython because our script is done at this point, even though we ran it manually. But obviously, we will connect, ne our next step will be to turn this into an actual Python script. So we'll write that out. And so now I'll use less and we'll take a look at our interface configs file. And we can see here we now have a text file that has all of our interface configs. And we could submit this, we could send it in for kind of a, a review and spot check from other engineers, um, change request documentation. We could say this is exactly what we're going to configure out in the network. Every interface is, is configured exactly based on our template and what we're after as far as it goes. Make sense? Yeah, that's great. It's really nice to see this. Yeah. 
Alright, so now let's, rather than doing it in IPython, let's see what this would look like if we created it as a script. And so we've talked before about scripts. When we do a Python script, we start out with our shebang line. So uh, user bin env python. And so that says this is a Python script. We then, and again, I'm going to copy and paste from my cheat sheet over here, but pull all that same code in. And so this is everything that we um, were just running. So now you can kind of see it all all together. So we're talking 26 lines of code with, um, with a couple of spaces that are in there. So same thing we did before. Um, we've got our, our source file names, we've got our placeholders, we're rendering the pieces in, all those things are there. I'll go ahead and we'll save this file as a script. Let me go find it. We are working in here. We'll call this config render01.py. So I've created my file that's there. Over here in our terminal, if we'll look, we've got my config render01.py. Now, sometimes when you run a Python script, you might go Python and then config render01, but we can also make this an actual executable file itself by adding in the executable flag. So chmod plus x for config render01. And so now when I look at it, we can see when I do my output, it's now got the x flag and my bash um, configuration here says to make executables red. So that's why it's popped up in red here in the piece. And now that it's executable, I can just type the file name and kind of render as it goes out. Uh, before I do that, let's actually delete the what we had before. So I'm going to do an rm on interface configs.txt. That was the output. So we'll go ahead and get rid of that so that we'll see that we don't have it now. We will we'll run the file. So dot slash config render dot zero one. Ran that out. Do my look at my directory again. We can see now interface configs is back. And if we look at it, we'll see that we have our piece. And so now we can go ahead and do this. And every time we get that CSV file, we would just be able to rerun this. Um, we probably won't, we're not going to have time today, but we could certainly update our script so that rather than having to hard code the name of our file, we could actually um, make that as an argument. So this script could be reusable as it goes through as far as it goes on that side. No, that's brilliant. I mean, I suppose the next question, you're always ahead of me, Hank, so... The next question would be, you know, how do I turn this into something that configures a device? Exactly. And so, and that's the next piece we'll, we'll talk about. So you're always such good, you're right there with those segues as we go into them as well, David. Um, if you are, what I've been talking with a lot of folks, I actually just came back from Interop this week. I was out there and I was talking with a lot of different network engineers, different um, folks that are in this. And one of the steps that a lot of organizations are doing kind of as they start to embrace network automation is using automation kind of in a very slow process, things that you're comfortable with. And so this, this phase of our example is the idea with, you know, in our organization, we're not quite ready to start having automation pushing configuration out, but we can use the automation to create the templates and then maybe this would go into our, our normal change process. And now we would use whatever we would do before, which would, in a change window, we'd connect to the switch and then we'd kind of copy and paste these configurations in and push them out, um, which is great. And that's an awesome, early step, it's a safe, it's a comfortable way to kind of start getting down the path of network automation. But you will come to the time where you're like, man, isn't there a way that we've got the configuration, we know that it's what we want, can't we just push those out? And so let's go ahead and kind of see what, what we would do next after we have our configuration if we, were, if we wanted to go ahead and actually push this out using some of the other skills that we've talked about um, that are out there. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna rerun um, where is it? I'm going to actually go IPython. I'm going to go back in 
and I'm going to grab everything that we just did before and I am going to, except for the writing out, right? I'm gonna, so I'm gonna not do that bit. I'm gonna create, do everything we did so far up to that point, which will create us our payload of configuration that we need. And so we're back kind of at this point, point where if I do a print interface, hey, there it is, interface configs. And so, okay, so now again, I have my, my string variable in Python that is the full list of all of my interface configurations. Now let's say I did want to push this out to, a, to an actual network device. And so the network device we're going to use in this example is one of the DevNet sandboxes. It's our always on NXOS sandbox. And so I'm going to copy in here. And so this, this is the information and how you would connect to our always on Nexus sandbox. And so it's address, it's on the internet at this address. So sbxnxosmanagement.cisco.com. Um, we're going to use NetMiko for this example, but we've talked about lots of different ways we could do it, but today we'll use NetMiko. And so we've got device type, it's a Cisco NXOS. Um, our always on sandbox, um, we can't expose things on port 22, or the standard SSH port of 22, which is why we're, we're uh, kind of natted to this weirdly random port of 8181, and then our credentials for the device. So we've got our device information that's there. Um, I'm going to go ahead and actually SSH into this device directly. And so that we can see, kind of verify the current status and these other pieces that are there. Let me get. I'm glad you're using SSH because it's um, always, you know, guys love the idea of using, well, the feedback I get, they love the mm -hmm. idea of using APIs, but a lot of people are still stuck with older devices. So it's nice to sure. see you doing it just pure SSH. Just for people who haven't watched this before, uh, you, you, you're SSHing from your local Mac across the internet mm -hmm. to a a virtual router hosted in a data center it is this one happens to be hosted in our galway ireland data center oh yeah all right so we'll do ssh in and then i need to give dash p 8181 there we go that's better that's great yeah admin one two three four all right so now we're on the switch and I think, what are the ones that we're using? Where are we starting our interface configurations? Uh, interface config text, 113. And so we're just gonna jump in. So we'll do a show run interface ethernet 113. All right, so we can see right now interface ethernet 113, no configuration that's out there. It is one of the interfaces that we are going to want to configure though. And so for this, we're gonna use our NetMiko. So we'll do from NetMiko import oops connect handler and then we will go ahead and say okay we're going to go ahead and connect in and we're going to make our, our connection into the piece now the way that netmiko does configurations is they don't it doesn't want just a, um, a a bulk string it actually likes to have every line in a configuration set up as a different um, uh, line or element in a list and so we're going to take our interface config, which is currently one giant string, and we're going to turn that into a config set by splitting it up. And so to do that, we're going to take interface uh, configs dot split, and we're going to split it at every new line. And so there. And so what this is going to do is it's going to say, okay, take interface configs, which is currently one big string, and then split it into a list at every new line. And so when I run this, if I do type of config set, uh, config set, we can see it is a list. And if I look at config 
I do the whole list, but that's going to be a lot of lines. So I'm just going to do like config set zero. We can see that's the first one, which is just the comment. Config set one gets us into interface 113. Two gets us in, gives us the description, and then so on. Kind of goes through. And so this now gives me um, a list of the configuration set to configure all of these interfaces that are there. Does that make sense? Before I send it, I want to make sure that those pieces, does that all kind of jive? Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's just nice to see how you did the split as well um, to turn some big string into something that's usable. So that's great, yeah. Yep, excellent. All right, so in order to send this with NetMiko, what we're going to do is we're going to create what's called a connection handler. And so I'm going to do ch equals and then connect handler. This is um, a connection. This will establish an open connection to my device. Now, normally in a script, you'll, you will do this in a with block as well. But in this example, we're going to do kind of this first round of just kind of doing it independently and we'll handle the disconnect on our own and so we'll hit enter on this one we can see it's gone through now it looks like there's some some deprecation warnings coming out of python here it looks like there's some libraries and things that are either in probably in some of the netmiko um, versioning that that's getting worked on to get updated so whenever you see these types of output you always want to look at it warnings mean that it's just a heads up nothing necessarily didn't work it's just a warning and we can see that there's a few of these cryptography deprecation warnings could be as simple as i just need to update my uh my libraries on my laptop but because there was no errors and i didn't get any kind of like actual exceptions we, we now have our open connection to our device and i will go ahead and do our output equals and i'm going to do config all right so we're going to do output ch dot uh, send config set send config set and again send config set this is expecting kind of a list of configuration commands to go through and so we're going to send it the config set which is the list that's there and i'm going to go ahead and send that now this is a large chunk of config and actually now in retrospect maybe i should have tested sending all 50 or so interface configurations at once to see how it would go but i imagine we'll still be in pretty good shape as these kind of process um, once this comes back, this output variable will actually contain kind of everything that all the interaction that Nimiko did with the device. So we'll be able to inspect that when it's all over, just to kind of see everything that kind of went out as it goes through. If you, type, if you type your command on that uh, on that uh, Nexus device, is it? Let's see if it's updated already, because that's your yeah. first interface, isn't it? Yep. There we, we go. It's starting. Yeah, it, it's starting. It, it actually finished already too. So I'm I'm back up here in iPython. So Ethernet one thirteen is done. Now we sent more configuration um, than just these two lines, but again, some of those are, are default config. So like the switch port command, we don't see because that's the default state on, on this Nexus switch that's there. Things like no shut, that's the default state, which is why we don't see them in the output, but they were sent. If I jump down to, we'll say, uh, I can't remember where the other ones pop up, but we'll jump to 24. This is still an ESX host. We'll jump to 48, because I remember we configured a whole bunch of interfaces. Oh, there we go. I was looking for one of the access ports. So we can see Ethernet 148 has been pushed out with all these pieces that are there. And now I know one of the ways we can actually kind of see the impact that we've had on this switch is if I do a show interface description, this will show the interface descriptions on all the interfaces. And so we didn't start our config. I purposely left the first chunk of interfaces without anything. So one, two, three, eight, ten. 10. We didn't change anything there, but here, let me make this a little wider so it's not wrapping weird on us. Rerun the command. 
There we go. So now we can see here, starting at Ethernet 113, we've got our configurations. And so these have been pushed out and we've got all of our configs. We've got our good descriptions. We know exactly what these are for. And if I do a show interface, I think status actually shows you the VLAN information too. It does. So down here we can see this chunk of interfaces for all of our ESX hosts are all labeled as trunks. And then when I get down here to where the actual access ports start, we can see they're showing as 101 for those ones, 102 here. So we've pushed out that full configuration right to our switch, um, kind of straight from building it from our template, reading it from the CSV file, and even all the way to, to configuring our switch using through the automation that was there. Kind of the, the full end as it goes in. And we can see that this, this switch actually has interfaces up to over 100. We just stopped at 64. And we can see it's gone back to what was default as it went in on there. That's great. So the code, the NetMeco code, you're going to put in that script as well, are you? Yep. Yep. So if we wanted to go ahead and say, let's let's update our script with those pieces that are there as well. So what that would look like, I'm actually going to, what I'll do is I'm going to create a, a second version of this one. So this was config render 01 that just creates it um, kind of as a text file. We'll create a new piece and let me grab all the code and I'm going to do a, a little bit of reordering here. So this was actually, I just pulled over my cheat sheet for those that were wondering how Hank does such a good job at typing. And uh, let me go ahead and save this one as uh, which directory this one. We'll call this one config render 02. And then in my cheat sheet, I had it at the bottom. But normally, again, what you want to do is you want to put all your imports and things up at the top. Uh, if you're setting variables and things, so I'm just going to move these around so they're kind of in the order that you would normally want to see it as you're going through. Oops, let's have that there. And then in this place. So now what we've added is we've got we've got our import for NetMeco, we've got our device information. Now, again, normally you wouldn't want usernames and passwords right in there, but we've talked about that before. In this example, this is just one of our sandboxes, so it's okay keeping it in there. And then this is just the bit of, of NetMeco code we would need. Now, this reminds me I need to disconnect, so I'm still up here connected to my switch, so I'm just gonna do ch.disconnect ch so that I clear up that VTY line in my Python script. But inside, or in the IPython window, in the Python script itself, what you can see here is I've got the with block. Oops, didn't mean to hit that. I've got the with block. So it will create the connection handler. It will run these commands, and then it would go ahead and kind of close it out. Oh, and I didn't, uh, we didn't print out the output before. So if I print output, what Nitmiko does kind of as it runs that, shove this down a little so we can see a bit bigger is it actually captures everything that was sent. And so here, if you wanted to look and see kind of what the entire interaction with the device was, you can see kind of what was sent out to the device. And so we can see where it's sent the configuration for internet, Ethernet 164. We can see even the warning that Nexus comes back and just lets you know, hey, be aware that port type edge, make sure you're only connecting it to the appropriate location. So that entire interaction with the switch is captured and you can see that as it goes through. That's fantastic, Hank. All right. You make this look so easy, 48 lines of code with all the spaces. Yeah, it's not too bad. And so what we'll do is uh, we'll make sure that we get this, this link is attached as well to the video so folks can kind of see the bits that were out there. Um, but that's all, what it takes, right? Not a lot, um, kind of building on that same CSV examples that we've had. So we've seen how we can, we can read in and process information with a CSV file. We've seen how we can gather information from our network and write it to a CSV file. 
And now we can see how we can actually start with kind of a, a, a set of change information or new onboarding details in a CSV file and turn that into actual network configuration and even push go so far as to push it into our network if you're ready for that in your own environment. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I was, I was just trying to think now, your personal preference, CSV or YAML, or what, what do you prefer? What, what do you like? So it, it depends on, it's a great question, but it depends on what, what the purpose of the data is. Um, if, it's, if it's information that uh, is kind of being used to, to transfer information between different teams and kind of the way that folks think and the way that we work on it is in kind of a spreadsheet type of a format, CSV files are fantastic. Um, I was actually talking with somebody this week and he said that the, the method of interaction, the API between so many teams and organizations is an Excel spreadsheet, right? The way that you pass information around is through spreadsheets. And so, and that is totally true. And so CSV files are a great way to, um, to kind of live in that type of a world. Now, if I was creating um, information and I was gonna be storing that and wanted to use it as a, um, kind of over and over as far as like data variables or things that go along with my pieces, I wouldn't usually use a CSV file natively. I would use something like a YAML file or JSON um, file or even XML to go through. Um, but in these types of cases where it's like it's information coming from some other team or it's an export from some, some system or I need to send data to a um, kind of a, a leader, a manager, somebody on another team to kind of report back to them, um, in those use cases, people don't want or they're not going to be thinking about generating a YAML file or a JSON file. And so um, getting things into a CSV file is really handy um, to be able to create them as well as to be able to read them because you're, you're very likely to get CSV files from other teams. Yeah, it's a great answer. Um, so have we covered CSV, do you think? Is there anything else that we could do? I think we've kind of killed it now. Yeah, I think we've gone through kind of... Uh, the full life cycle of the capabilities. Obviously, we could show tons of more examples of how you could use CSVs with kind of other specific pieces, but I think we've we've hit the fundamental pieces, how to read, how to write, how to tie that CSV stuff into other pieces. I, th I think we've given it a good go. Um, if folks watching the video have other CSV questions that we haven't hit so far, let us know. We're certainly willing to kind of continue to go through, but I think we've probably done a pretty good job at giving kind of the lifespan of CSV manipulation in our spreadsheet or in our in our day jobs. I agree. I'm I'm just for everyone watching. Uh, just add to that. Sorry, just to add to that. Yeah, let us know if there's anything else you want us to you know talk about. But Hank, again, I just want to say thanks very much. I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge as always with all of us. Absolutely, it's always always a pleasure and always fun. This was a good one. This was actually a nice little series to kind of go through and take the time to really kind of dive into this this particular topic really well, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, me as well. I think I'm going to, I was just thinking of other ideas, but I'll, I'll keep that a secret to the audience. So for everyone, everyone watching, thanks so much. And Hank, again, thanks very much. Yeah, talk to you again soon. Cheers. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Be sure to visit David's YouTube channel at David Bumble, where you can subscribe and watch all of his videos. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Catch you next time on the David Bumble Networking Podcast. All the best. Take care.